Hello, podcast listeners. This evening, Ryan and I were just as shocked as everyone else to hear about the sudden death of Robin Williams. The outpouring of thoughts, prayers, and reflections on his life and work is a testament to Williams' power as a comedian, actor, and performer. I don't have a whole lot to add, and and Ryan wrote a great piece on our website that summarizes our sentiments, Um, but I did want to mention that this episode was recorded days before Williams' death. It's one of those rare moments where I genuinely wish the episode wasn't as timely as it is, um, but it is nonetheless. So before we get started, I just wanted to say um, to Robin Williams, you will be missed. And anything that we said during this episode that sounds insensitive or thoughtless in light of what happened was completely unintentional. We hope you, the listener, take some time over the next few weeks to revisit some of your favorite Robin Williams moments and be grateful for the memories that he gave us. Now on with the show. Hello and welcome to Can We Still Be Friends, a podcast that tests the limits of the friendship between two people who mistake movie taste for personal morality. I'm Nate Goss, here with Ryan Ebling. In this episode, we've decided to rewatch Steven Spielberg's 1991 movie, Hook, a movie we both loved as children, but we haven't seen it in a long time. In a sense, we're not facing off against one another as much as we're facing off against the childhood versions of ourselves who love this swashbuckling action movie despite the outcry against it from critics and most adults. Hook is a strange beast in that it seems to be only highly regarded by people who were children when the movie came out and really rather despised by everyone else. It has an abysmal 31% rating on Rotten Tomatoes and is often talked about as a serious misstep in Spielberg's movie catalog. But again, it holds a very dear place in the hearts of people who were children when they saw it. And it did quite well at the box office, pulling in over $300 million worldwide. It did get nominated for a few awards, mainly technical Oscars, and I was surprised to find out it got nominated for a Golden Globe for Dustin Hoffman's Mm. performance, though it really won no awards of real repute. I think it may even have been nominated but didn't win the the teen choice award for robin williams performance or the kids choice whatever the nickelodeon ones tough crowd it is a tough crowd (laughs) so we like peter banning face off against fading childhood memories will we discover those memories waiting for us just as we left them though a little dusty or will we find that we've been living grown-up life outside of neverland so long that we can no longer see the colorful banquet set before us find out in this episode Finally happened. I'm having a total nervous breakdown. Come on, Peter, follow me and all will be well. I'm dying. I'm heading towards the white light. I've left my body. You see, there's my house. Way down there. There are my feet. Oh my god, where are we going? Save your children, of course. How do you know about my kids? Everybody knows. Captain Hook's got them and you've got to fight them. Let's fly! All right, that was a clip from Hook, the movie that we will be discussing in this episode. Before we jump right into our episode, we did want to just talk a little bit about our last episode, Scott Pilgrim, and I just wanted to touch base with you, Ryan, and see if, uh, mm-hmm. you know, after our discussion, uh, has anything changed at all? Or, well, you know? definitely not for my love of the movie. I, I, I was kind of licking my wounds 
after that episode. I felt like not not through any fault of your own, but just I I, I have a hard time dealing with the fact that something I love so much um, isn't loved by everybody. I'm I'm selfish that way, I guess. And and I I, I feel a little I I realize about myself that um, I I need to let myself like what I like and not have it be like the best thing. So when you said you didn't like it, all of a sudden I felt like my credibility was hurt. Yeah. yeah. Which is a stupid thing to do. But I, 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 so no, nothing has changed about my love of Scott Pilgrim, except for I feel freer to love it for what I perceive it to be, Mm -hmm. which is, I think something I'll have to learn over and over again. Well, it could actually become very uh, important for this episode for all we know. I mean, we are, this is some, this hook episode is going to be one where it's something we hold very dear to our hearts. And uh, who knows, I I don't know where this discussion is going to go today, but we don't know. We don't know. Did anything, you have any new thoughts about Scott Pilgrim? Um, You know, I, I don't think, that any of my feelings about the movie has changed all that much. Uh, I think you did raise uh, some good points, and I think that you raised a very good discussion point about, um, you know, niche movies Mm -hmm. and where they belong and, you know, uh, how you discuss something that is labeled as a niche movie, whether that's fair or not. And um, I think that we did have some good things to say about that, but of course the conversation never ends and there's so much more that could be talked about with that. So please, you know, continue to, to discuss any of the episodes we've had in the past. Uh, but, but even especially, uh, Scott Pilgrim. And we had some great feedback, um, on this episode, specifically one of our listeners, Rachel, um, she, uh, she, she thinks she agrees with you that the pacing is a little bit slow towards the end. She also agrees with me that this movie can't, isn't necessarily niche because she's not a gamer or an Edgar Wright fan or anything. Um, but she, her biggest problem with our episode was that we did not give Wallace enough cred. Um, and Wallace is Wallace is, uh, Scott's roommate. Yes. And, good friend um and sh- she's right we didn't talk about wallace at all and he's hilarious so rachel i'm sorry that we didn't get to what i believe might be your favorite character um but y- i i agree with you wallace is a fantastic uh, uh, part of the movie. culkin um kieran culkin, kieran culkin. Yep. that's right yeah <laughs> um and she also said she's pumped for the hook episode bangarang so let's get into it this is it here we go let's talk about hook all right ryan why don't you tell the listeners <laughs> Your um, experience, bef- we did rewatch this movie, Yeah, uh, but we want to talk about before the rewatch, what is your memory of Hook? Oh, I have so many memories. Hook was a huge part of my childhood. It's, one, it's maybe, even though it's not, you know, in retrospect, one of my favorite movies as a kid, like I would say, you know, the Disney Robin Hood, I would name some other things. Hook is up there, but it, um, it kind of sticks out as the most defining movie of my childhood. Hmm. As far as I can remember, it's the first movie I really became obsessed with. Like, I had all the toys. I had like, I, um, what were the toys? I don't even remember. They I mean, were they were like pretty realistic, like action figures. Action figures. So you're not yeah. talking about like like suction cup bow and arrows or oh, something. No, nothing like that. I, to... I made those myself <laughs> out of like PVC pipes and uh, rubber. Just bands. like a lost boy would. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I was seven when the movie came out. I didn't see it in theaters. Um, I watched it as soon as we could get our hands on it. And it was one of the few movies we owned as a family. I don't know how many times or how often I watched it, but I watched the hell out of that videotape. Um, I had, like I said, I, I had the, the hook action figures and my friends and I would play hook, like mm-hmm. just act out stuff, sword fights. We would build forts, pretend the forts were the lost boys hide out. And I, I was pretty obsessed with this movie. And I, I don't know for sure how long it lasted, but it, it feels like it was 
a long time. Um, I would have to ask my parents. You mean your obsession? Yeah, or, my yeah. obsession. Not like, the length of the movie. No, no, no. <laughs> the movie is fairly long too. Yeah. But I didn't. Which is probably notice a great. That. I didn't either when I was as a, kid. a kid at all. I, I guess I'm kind of jumping the gun on my. No, feelings, no, no. Let's go ahead because I mean, honestly, this is a two and a half hour movie, close yeah. to. Yeah. Didn't never even cross my mind. When no, I was it a kid. never felt so, long. Yeah. And I'm sure my parents loved that I loved a, sh- a long movie. <laughs> yeah. Everything about the movie was cool. Yeah. You're fighting with swords. There was like the skateboard. Like wind, yeah, yeah, like the half pipe and the the monorail around the <laughs> around the fort and playing basketball on a skateboard. Uh-huh. The pirates and the ship and the whole look of the film and then friggin' Rufio. Yeah, I remember Rufio's relationship with Peter always really moved me, and his death scene was probably one of the defining moments of my childhood. The Rufio, yeah, death scene. I mean, it was one of yeah. the first times that a major character and stuff I loved died and stayed dead. Right. Um, and had last words and everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Those last words. <laughs> oh. Um, you know, Hook was scary, but he was likable. Smee was comforting and kind of made me feel like the kids were safer that he was around. Like, yeah. there's danger, but there's it's not scary. Right. I don't know. That's why it was so perfect for like, for kids, I think, and for me as a kid. Um, I, I, I Before rewatching it, I, I was afraid that there would be elements of the movie that would play overtly to kids and that I would be irritated by them. Um and then, of course, since then, since I was seven, I've seen a lot more Spielberg and watched a lot of his movies this summer. And I just kind of was wondering how I would start comparing it to its masterpieces. And I was pretty uneasy to rewatch it. Yeah. So, so what before rewatching it for this episode, what was when do you think was the last time you had seen Hook? I mean, has it been really no, since it like has junior been high? Since I was before a child, that, before yeah, junior high. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, maybe like twelve would be the latest I've seen it. Okay. How about you? I, I can't remember, although I do. I have younger siblings, oh, so I have a feeling. So it was on in the house. Yeah, I have a feeling I probably watched it at least when I was in junior high, but it's been at least since then. You know, it's mm-hmm. been. I mean, I I don't think I've seen it since I was. Uh, I mean, the oldest I probably was when I saw it was maybe like thirteen. Yeah, but I was just like you, and in fact, I don't remember the first time I saw it. I think I might have been taken to the theater for it. Mm. Um, I didn't have the action figures. That's why I had to ask you about these toys, these toys yeah. that I obviously missed out on. I, um, I even had like, you know, towards the end of the movie where they're on that like little paddle boat thing. Yeah. And like fling them. I had that. And you could actually like stand them on it on those little pegs in the heels and like okay. flip them off. I remember the Rufio. Action well, I had figure. I had Rufio, but yeah. I also had a couple other Lost Boys. OK. And I had Peter and Hook. OK. That's all you need. The weird thing is I don't think we actually own the VHS, but somehow I had seen this movie so many times. I mean, I just had such vivid memories of so much in it. You know, mm-hmm. I think with a lot of kids mm-hmm. movies, you might only remember like a scene or you'll be like, I don't, you know, I kind of remember that movie, but not. But with Hook, it's like, mm-hmm. I remember that movie, yep. that movie. I remember key scenes, maybe not the entire movie. Like I probably couldn't quote it from front, from, from beginning to end. <laughs> Um, now before right. we're watching it, but I had memories of scenes in every act of that movie. Yeah. You oh, know, definitely not just the Neverland scenes. Mm-mm. Not, I mean, I had memories of the beginning scenes, the, the last yep. scene with every character, Maggie Smith from Maggie Smith, all the way to, to, you know, Bob Hoskins and yeah. Rufio, all of them. I mean, I remembered all of these characters, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. And it was to me, this was such a movie that everyone that I knew loved. Yeah. I, it wasn't until maybe like a year ago that I realized 
it wasn't a well-received movie. No, like I didn't no. know that. I, <laughs> I agree. I that? When did you find that out? When did you find out that in in the world of film criticism or even in just pop culture yeah. uh, outside of our age group, this movie was panned. Yeah, and it's considered one of Spielberg's worst. Yeah, and he doesn't even really he doesn't like, like it. it. Yeah, which is too bad because I mean we'll, he, we'll talk about this later. But I I feel like it's intentional the things he does to make it you know, something that critics wouldn't enjoy. Um, but the fact that he didn't have a good time making it really bummed me out. Yeah. Uh, I guess it was college, actually. I I was reading a lot of Roger Ebert stuff. And, okay, uh, and he wasn't a fan. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Yeah. No. Um, so that was it. But yeah, it, and it was strange. We all loved it. Everybody yeah. loved it. I never knew how my parents felt about it. My parents didn't say I, one way or the other right. what they felt. They were probably just glad I was sitting down for a while. <laughs> But yeah, I, it, it it came as a shock to me. Can you think of any other movie that is so that has such a discrepancy between audience, um, you know, the, how, the way audiences perceive the movie and the way critics perceive hmm. the movie? I mean, there are some well, sort of gray area examples, like you know, Transformers obviously has its audience; mm-hmm. otherwise, they wouldn't keep making right. it. You know, yeah, that's that's the thing. I was I was thinking about some movies like that, like you know the movies that'll make a ton of money right. but never get a good review. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that they're revered as much as this movie is. And I think we'll talk right now about what you guys had to say before we recorded. And yeah. it's pretty much from people our age, it is across the board love. Yeah. I mean, we had a, we had a place where you could weigh in on our website and uh, we got some great feedback and, I, I don't think we had a bad comment about this movie. Right. We had a we had an ambivalent comment where well, yeah. we had um, a, Tom, one of our listeners, just basically said, "I didn't realize this was an important movie." And I think you talked to him some more, yeah, um, outside, and he he was a little bit more hostile in real life talking about it. <laughs> That's Isn't true. That true. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So he would have been an adult, maybe have kids who are this age he, w- he was he's not our age no he's a bit older so um, you know he's not coming at it as a child when he watched it originally right he, he couldn't understand why we were picking such an unimportant movie such a piece of garbage movie right that, like to him it just seemed like another summer throwaway blockbuster right you know? but to people our age we had um who was the one that had the the, the hook birthday theme oh J- jason <laughs> r um Oh man, to, what, I would, what I would have given to have been there. How Early amazing that party would have been. I would have been so jealous. <laughs> uh, but I, I asked him for pictures and details. He didn't He didn't, uh, didn't send those. I would still love for you to share those, Jason, um, when we post the episode. Uh, give us a few please, details. What does a hook do. birthday party yeah. look like? Because maybe, I can imagine maybe, it. Maybe it's nothing. And you have to imagine it all. Maybe. It's just yeah. a blank, empty That's room. That's a good yeah. way his parents, his parents <laughs> his save parents money. No, but yeah. no, it's like that dinner scene. If you believe in the cake enough. Yeah. Do you believe in the cake? Some people, I think, had, had seen it again uh, and said that it totally holds up, that they still love it. Um, other people were like us. They hadn't seen it. Um, one listener, Laura, she said she could quote the movie from beginning to end as a kid and she feels like uh watching it as an adult would be a fairly surreal experience Mm. um which i i was a little bit i didn't i I thought it could be that way too that i would i don't know what regress or like (laughs) just it's so tied into my childhood right that to watch it as an adult was a scary 
But we also had um, one listener, Alex, had a pretty interesting take on the movie. He said, uh, like Laura, he can quote the scenes backwards and forwards. But he said the hero, um, in his mind, as a kid and now, was the movie's namesake character, James Hook. Hmm. Um, He says, I know he's the villain, but Dustin Hoffman's elegant portrayal of this otherwise overdone character left a larger-than-life imprint on my young mind. His scene presence was enormous, a considerable feat, a villain with class and a sense of decorum. Even despite the bad form and trickery that ends in his demise, he's a great and worthy opponent to the very end in my book. Which I had never considered. Yeah, why is this movie called Hook? Right. I never thought about that either. You know, Just I, Peter Pan was taken, <laughs> I guess, yeah. was my thought. Right. Or, um, but it could have been Pan. Yeah, it could have. Or just Peter P. I yeah. <laughs> but that's a, that's a really interesting take that, that, I mean, obviously Hook is the title character for a reason. Right. Um, and was that something that you kept in mind when you watched it? Or had you yeah, read? Yeah, I had seen this comment before watching it. And it was certainly in the back of my mind as I watched it. But I think it's a really interesting point. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but the main point he's saying is that for him, this holds up. Right. Know? The perspective that I was looking for uh, personally, because I, uh, as of um, recently, am a new father. And so the perspective I was really hoping to look for and get before I rewatched this was the perspective of another father who's thinking about what do I show my kids, you know? And um, luckily, Daniel had written in, one of our listeners, Dan, said, it's so good, okay? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, he said, I got to watch part of it again last year and was struck by how serious the drama is, particularly at the beginning. I focused on the Neverland portions as a kid, on the fantastical sets and action, but as adult, paid more attention to the inner conflict of Peter, realizing he's failing his kids, etc. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought that was interesting. And again, I love hearing these comments before we rewatch it because I, I've kind of got extra things that I'm looking for. Right. And so I was looking for that, and I, I was actually struck by that too. They really do emphasize that relationship with the kids mm-hmm. um, more than I ever really remembered. So, you know, that's just a few of the things that have come in. Um, and before we jump into uh, our actual discussion of Hook, I did quickly just want to list off a couple of the ways that you can keep on um, giving us your feedback and your thoughts and ideas on this movie. Um, there's always the places you can comment on our website, canwestillbefriends.net. You can send us an email at feedback at canwestillbefriends.net. Um, we are on Facebook and we are on Twitter. So any one of those areas, feel free to just weigh in at any point about um, this movie, Hook. Mm-hmm. So why don't we go ahead and jump in now and talk about, this is where I'm, I'm getting a little shaky here, a little scared. Yeah. This is kind of, we're, we're, we're heading into scary territory. Yeah. Here. Um, yeah. The pirate's lair. But... Uh, well, what are you what are you afraid of? Are you afraid of what I'm gonna say? Um, or a are, little or bit. Do you have things we're, that we're, you that scare you that you've discovered about it? I think that um, as far as film discussion goes, we are heading into some interesting territory, some dangerous territory. If yeah. You will, because um, do you think? Okay, before we jump in. Do you think it's even possible to completely separate your experience as a child and watch this with new eyes, fresh See, eyes? I didn't know. I thought I would. And um, for other movies, I have been able to. But I was not, with this one, able okay. to separate it. My childhood memories, I don't know if, if this movie I just watched enough or it really clicked with me and still clicks on a certain level mm-hmm. that my entire viewing was informed from my past feelings. Okay. And 
whether or not this makes for good, honest assessment of the film, I don't know. But how I felt about this movie as a child is how I still feel about this movie. Okay. How about you? I think so. Yeah. It. I. But I. But. But am I kidding myself? Is what I'm trying to say. Like, and is that okay? I mean, is that what even? What do you mean kidding thing? yourself? Kidding yourself about what? Okay. Um. How about if I just say this? I still think this is a great movie, personally. But I can say that with a few reservations. Now, mm-hmm. That I can add a few, um, you know, extra comments to that, a few qualifiers, if yeah. you will, to that, um, before I can just flat out say this is a great movie because it has its problems. I okay and. What I don't know is if I was watching this for the first time, if those problems would just be so insurmountable that this movie would be, I would be amongst the critics that panned it originally. Or if, um, because I loved it so much as a child, those problems to me, um, you know, I can just either look the other way or it doesn't ruin the experience for me. Yeah. I, I, I know what you're saying. I, I don't know whether or not I would have hated this movie. If I hadn't seen it as a kid, but I'd like to think I wouldn't. I'd love to think that because I just think I there's something so ma- so great about this movie. You know, I agree, but I, 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 that might just be coming from the place of childhood <laughs> like, who knows? Yeah. reverence for this yeah. movie. I I won't say it's a great movie. I will say that I still really like this movie, and I think kids can and would still really like this movie. Mm. I, I probably. I probably would not like this movie if I hadn't seen it. Um, I mean, that's such a difficult thing to say because I I found a lot of problems with it and I wrote them down, but they they will not, for me, derail this movie. I want my kids to watch this. I will watch it with them. Mm -hmm. So do you think this movie is very hard, if not impossible, to enjoy as an adult? I I don't know. I, I... do you think there's anything in it for adults is, I guess, maybe a better question? Well, yeah. I mean, there's some things that are sort of winky, funny things. I think I think that um, Robin Williams' performance is pretty good in the beginning, pretty restrained, and is better than maybe he would, he would get credit for. And I also think that Dustin Hoffman's performance as Hook is actually really good. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I kept reading yeah. a lot of reviews that were calling it cartoonish and over the top, but I, I really don't think His, so. I think it's genuinely funny. Like, I think it's it genuinely great, funny. Great. And it's really subtle and nuanced. Yeah. And, and and the way he uses phrasing and language to just pull these jokes out of things, yes. like where he says things like um, uh, when when he's doing the whole be where he's trying he's to shoot kill himself, himself. Yeah. <laughs> he's like you know, and he's gonna, don't try to stop don't me, try don't to try to stop me, he's just gonna, try to stop me. <laughs> Why aren't you stopping me, Smee? I am standing and here then with a the, gun. The, and I think even maybe more than that, where I was laughing was where he, at the very first scene where he's addressing the pirates and he says, uh, "Who doubted? Like who doubted me?" And then he and then he turns it from a rhetorical question to an actual question. Kill that cunning crocodile who stuffed him, who made him into a quiet clock. Who went into the other world and stole Pan's children? And who didn't believe I could do it? Who doubted me? Who amongst us does not belong? Someone here does not belong. Stranger amongst the loyal, I will weed you out. 
which actually ended up being Glenn Close. Glenn Close yeah. <laughs> if you didn't know that scene, where, but it's but, actually where he goes and confronts the pirate who doubted him. Yeah, um, and, and puts him in the boo box. Yeah, that's actually Glenn Close yeah. uh, dressed up as a pirate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and I think Alex is right. I the His comment really made me look at Hook. I was watching Hook differently. And he really is a character with a code. And this was one of the things that made in my mind, the movie had a layer that as an adult, I appreciated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as it went on, it got a little bit heavy handed comparing Peter to hook and how Peter as a father is sort of the bad guy. Um, and how hook has a code and has decorum and has good form early on in the movie. Peter says repeatedly, my word is my bond, mm-hmm. but he never keeps a promise. Whereas hook does keep promises right and does follow through on what he says and that that added layer of peter's shortcomings as a father actually being things that hook excels at right was really surprising to me in this movie and i, I, I had think, never noticed that as a kid i think it makes hook a much more compelling villain mm-hmm. because everything he says is it's got elements of truth to it yep the yeah. whole thing he talks about why parents hate their children no, child. I think your mother raised you every night in order to stupefy you to sleep. So that she and daddy could sit down for three measly minutes without you and your mindless, inexhaustible, unstoppable, repetitive, and nagging demands. He took my toy. She hit my bear. I want a potty. I want a cookie. I want to stay up. I want, I want, I want me, 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 me. Mine, 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 mine. Now, now, now. Can't you understand, child? They tell you stories to shut you up. The sad part is there's a kernel of truth to that. There's probably and, more than a and, kernel and, of more truth than, yeah. to that. And, you know, that's what makes him so compelling to me as a villain it makes it and, believable that jack would go with him. right and even to to pan he is using the self-doubt that's within him mm-hmm. to his villainous advantage i mean when he basically says you'll wake up from your dream and be the lawyer that drinks too much that works too much and hides from your kids and wife i mean this is the self-doubt that is within all of us whenever mm-hmm. we try to change who we are. I mean, really, Hook is asking, can you change as a person? Yep. Is yeah. that possible? Is it possible to have true character development? Mm-hmm. And he's that voice saying, no, you can't. You can't yeah. really do it. You're always just going to wake up from this dream or this high that you're on yeah. and go back to the same old person that mm-hmm. you are. And that's, to me, the challenge of the movie, in a yes. way, for the adults. There's a challenge for children, I think, as well. It's basically just like, you know, don't grow up too quick, you know, yeah. or enjoy being a kid. Right. To me, the challenge to an adult is, can you change as a person? Yeah. You know. Is there still growing up that you have to do? Right. You know, it it struck me in the book, Peter Pan uh, is a supremely selfish character. Mm -hmm. He he really has very little regard for other people. Um, And it's uh, like the movie showed, it took Peter a long time before he decided to, you know, give up being in Neverland. And it's not just because he had childlike innocence that he wanted to maintain. He didn't want to grow up because he was selfish, because growing up meant doing things other people wanted to do. And it was really smart, in my mind, that Peter Banning is so selfish. Mm -hmm. Like, they took those elements of Peter Pan... and stripped and away, into, yeah. stripped away the whimsy and the 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 childish innocence of it, and just 
made it a selfish adult. Right. So really, in that sense, he never did change. Right. He, he got older, but he didn't grow up. Right. Um, Interesting. But see, that's why I don't understand why this... Okay, maybe I do understand I why do, critics I do, too. It. I do. And we can get into the details, but I think in a lot of ways, they focus too much on the details. I guess it does and doesn't surprise me that, he, that this movie didn't do well with critics. The elements that I, I found irritating and annoying, I can understand. But as far as depth of story and script and character and what it does to build on the Peter Pan mythology, we're saying... That it's got some depth that we don't understand why critics didn't uh, get. But Roger Ebert, um, first off, he says, um, talking about how the movie progresses, he felt it progressed very slowly. He says, then comes the ending of the movie, or the endings, one after another. Farewells, poignancy, lessons to be learned, speeches to be made, lost marbles to be rediscovered, tears to be shed. The conclusion of Hook would be embarrassingly excessive, even for a movie in which something of substance had gone before. Here we get the uncanny suspicion that Hook was written and directed according to the famous recipe of the country preacher who told the folks what he was going to tell them, told them, and then told them what he had told them. Look, Roger Ebert's an amazing critic, amazing right. writer. Well, we don't agree he, with everything he says. <laughs> and he says it so well. That's what's so yeah, hard. It's so bastard. hard to argue with Roger Ebert because he's just so damn he's good at writing. He's and perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And not so eloquent of words. I actually do have some problems with what he's saying. Mm -hmm. Maybe, well, yeah. I can see it because... It can be fairly ham-fisted when, I don't know how many times, even before they get to Neverland, Peter says to Jack, you know, when are you going to stop acting like a child? Or why don't you grow up? Sure. It is pretty driven that adults don't let children be children, and adults have lost sight of what it is to be a child and that sort of thing. And maybe the nuance of what we were just talking about, of Peter Pan being a selfish character and Peter Banning being stripped down to nothing but a grown-up selfish character, um, was maybe lost or I'm reading into it more. But I can see what Ebert's talking about, that the messages in this movie are repeated and then pounded in. But what I found watching this movie, and it's something that Spielberg often does with... Uh, the Indiana Jones movies. He wanted to make a movie that was like the programs he loved as a kid, the adventure programs. And so he made it the the faults of that type of storytelling and all. The suspensions of disbelief, mm -hmm. the character, stock characters, all that. He went with it because that's what it was. And he's done that with some other things. I feel like Hook is a movie for kids. And on top of that, if Stylistically, it's very much like the Errol Flynn swashbuckling movies. And like he did with uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, um, Temple of Doom, which I just recently saw. Yeah. We talked about it in the last episode. Um, he takes the elements that make it that. He didn't update it necessarily. And so it's kind of a warts and all kids movie. A movie that may not speak to adults and it may get a message across in a way that kids need to hear it. But you don't think that Steven Spielberg could have made a more realistic set with a backdrop that wasn't like a perfect blue to pink sunset and the underwater scene with the mermaids so clearly shot in a tank? Like, I feel like part of that look, that unrealistic, polished look that, mm -hmm. that a lot of critics spoke negatively about was just a stylistic choice. Yeah, but and I guess what's wrong with that, though? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm saying that... If you can't give into that, if you can't give into the kids' moviness of it, then it's just going to be lost on you. That yeah, 
And I'm not sure why other places people make stylistic choices like that. Like we were talking about Grindhouse and those sorts of movies. Yeah. Harkening back to that sort of those problems with those movies, um, which for whatever reason, budget concerns or movie codes, they were in place. Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez put those on their movies without needing to. I feel like Spielberg did that here. Why Why that is looked down upon? Because it does look like a movie set. Yeah. Sort of cheapish. Um, yeah. I and, seen- I th- and maybe it's because it's not overt enough. Because I feel like, or maybe it's just something that wasn't normal in 1991. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder how much of it was just that Because part of period. me thinks that now, I could name a handful of reasons why I think that those kind of choices would be better accepted now than maybe mm-hmm. they were in 1991. I don't think I want to go as far as to say Hook was really ahead of its time. No, um, and but I don't think it was, I don't know. I don't think it was trying to be either. But in some ways, I think this movie could have been accepted better if it were released now yeah. than it, it was in 91. For a couple of reasons, there's that reason, which is the whole sort of style of Nostalgia the actual sets and, and things. Mm-hmm. But there's also the reason of like, this is essentially a type of fractured fairy tale, yeah. which... I don't think was as popular as a genre even yeah. back then with things like today with like Maleficent and mm. one of the biggest problems I had with the movie was, was the whole Tinkerbell storyline just was crazy to me. And yeah. my only way that I can think that they were trying, what they were trying to do is that was them trying to make an adult storyline in this was kind of having this Tinkerbell that's yeah. in love with Pan. And that's uh-huh. like, her, it was like, that was very strange. I, I saw a lot of critics that were blaming this movie for being over bloated, and that's a case where that certainly is nothing but bloat in this movie. Yeah. Is honestly, I wish I could have just seen Hook recut. If they could have just taken out that whole scene where Tinkerbell mm-hmm. like busts out of the lamp and she's like full size, she's full size wearing that um, dress. Just take that out. Just yeah. get rid of it. You don't need yep. it at all. Oh, Peter, this is the biggest feeling I've ever ever felt. This is the biggest feeling I've ever had, and this is the first time I've been big enough to have it. Peter, I want to give you a kiss. And it, nothing about it's the story strange. would change. It's, yeah. It is strange. And they never revisit it. Like, no. She, <laughs> it's just like, ooh, sorry, I'm married. And for a kid, that's got to be confusing. And uh, then she's small again later on. What did that happen? Yeah, I don't, I don't remember them explaining why she's small now. Tinkerbell as a character in general was odd. But definitely her... You mean the way uh, it's portrayed in Hook or in the Peter Pan fantasy in in, in general? In Hook. Okay. In Hook. Julia Roberts' Tinkerbell was sort of odd. Um, And then just to add that romance, that that, like unrequited love she's had with Peter forever. And then like just weird things. You know the scene where he discovers the Lost Boy's original hideout under the tree? Mm -hmm. And he goes in and Tink is sitting there in the dress like how long was she waiting there <laughs> for Peter to discover? Because there was no real, other than like his shadow telling him to go. Like yeah. she had no indication. Did she just keep going there every day, hoping he would find it? <laughs> One of these days, <laughs> he's gonna come in here. <laughs> but, you got this yeah. dress on. <laughs> but, but another weird thing along those lines that I, I actually worked and was pretty poignant for me now, which I didn't catch when I was a kid, was the relationship between Peter and Wendy, and how he had really. Uh, not messed her up, but she really loved him mm-hmm. and he didn't get it. And it took so long. And the pain of seeing him year after year, which was young Gwyneth Paltrow, right. was young Wendy, yep. um, year after year come back and 
still love him and just have him choose that selfish path and then to pick her daughter when she's of age like Mora yeah it was a pretty Wendy's a pretty tragic character in this yeah. movie and and Maggie Smith is she's great she's great yeah and it's uh, a great performance although it's, this uh, the banquet scene where he gives his speech I don't know it was a little cheesy his speech was and that whole thing was cheesy where they stood up and yeah that was kind of cheesy but what's happening at the house at that time awesome spielberg right there yeah mm-hmm. the that's like close encounters mm-hmm. you know like oh yeah the actual, bright lights oh in the opening God, yeah. window and yeah and it's, it's great the imagery like to me that those were the scenes where he was building this pan mythology mm-hmm. like you see the pirate ship stained glass and you see the, mm-hmm. the you see the hook that's the the door latch the window, the window latch, latch is a hook and, and it and, turns yeah. slowly and then uh toodles and the John Williams score is swelling underneath. That is just classic Spielberg building this pan thing, which turns it into something like a Greek mythology. Yep. You got the pictures in the books mm-hmm. that are like the great classic illustrations when she's trying to explain that this is Peter Pan or you are the pan. Yeah, you know? right. And it, everything about it is just, it's got this ancient feel to it. Like mm-hmm. the, we're bringing back these ancient stories and they're not ancient stories. I mean, Peter right. Pan is a relatively new, <laughs> new tale, but that's, that's some I, of Spielberg's just that's right up there to me with some of his best work. There's like something almost supernatural going on yeah. in that room. Right. You know? I think you're absolutely right. I, I think that people have thrown the baby out with the bathwater um, with this movie because there are sequences like that. Um, I, I think the set design, Hollywood's studio as it is, was Awesome. It was. Kid. Yeah. I wanted to live with the Lost Boys so bad. I wanted to ride that skateboard windsurfer right. thing around. And I was thinking to myself, and what 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 came first, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, or Hook? Because there's a lot of similarities between. Well, Hook did right. What I, what year? I thought, Hook's ninety one. I thought Prince of Thieves was ninety two, but they might both be ninety one. Okay. Which would be a very strange coincidence because that's two movies, big movies coming out where there's just awesome awesome forest hanging out you know (laughs) like in the trees swinging you know like yeah i wanted to live in in with the lost boys in neverland and i wanted to hang out in sherwood forest with kevin costner maybe i can bring in my experience with prince of thieves to this experience with hook because you saw it as a kid and loved it and continue to love it to this day i do yeah well yeah okay go ahead but i have something to say about that you can say it you sure yeah okay that movie Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom. There's a couple movies that I love as a kid, still love as an adult, but don't ask me to defend them. You know I'm what not, I mean? That's like, what I'm saying. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not trying to say you are, but I'm saying that that's a different camp to me, like as far as movies go. And it sounds like maybe that's where you actually might feel a little bit more with Hook. Like and you feel you more like you can defend and it. And I feel like I really can okay. defend this movie. I don't feel like I could, if I tried, defend Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. It's just something <laughs> I love. I loved it as a kid. I don't think I could even really defend Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom. I could try. But honestly, oh honestly, I just think that those are movies I'm always going to like. And you know what? If someone doesn't care for them, um, they've got every right. And they're probably more right for not caring for them. Yeah. Hook is an instance where you can not care for this movie, but I want to know why. And I also want to know. I, I really do too. I want to know why. And I want to know if you're right or not, because you know, we've already talked about some of the problems we have with it. It does. It's a little bloated. The Tinkerbell thing is kind of weird. Um, 
but it can't just be nostalgia. This is something I was thinking about. I agree. Because I don't, if it was just nostalgia, as I was rewatching this, it would be nothing more than me liking it for the fact that it was triggering memories for me as a kid. I think and you're right. I was watching it afresh this time and getting brand new things out of it that I hadn't gotten before. I think you're right. I think that it's not just nostalgia because I have watched movies I felt nostalgic about and you can separate in them. rewatching yeah. them. <laughs> well, you can still enjoy them. Maybe for me, I feel that part of me die and I'm like, Oh, I can't watch that movie again because it's <laughs> yeah. terrible. Not so with hook. I will watch this again and I will want my kids to watch it. Right. Same here. And so what is it about this movie that we still really like? What what did you notice this time around? Um, you were like we were talking about how when as a kid, it's a two and a half hour long movie, but it never felt like two and a half hours long. Yeah. I still feel that way. How about way. this time? Did it feel long? The last there's a there's like the three quarter mark. Um, mm-hmm. it's kind of after he's already. F- Actually, it's where that Tinkerbell thing is. That's where it started getting a little mm-hmm. long and mm-hmm. and cheesy. I mean, okay. I don't mean to hang on to this too long, but in that same scene is also his flashback where he's like talking about his mother. Yeah. And how he ran away. How he in somehow the as an infant has this realization that he doesn't want to grow up. I agree. Because uh, of this conversation he overhears as an infant between like his mom and who's talking about him going to Oxford. Right. Like she's like. planning his life. Yeah. Making time for marriage and family and all of that. Just like his father. Isn't that what grown-ups want for their children? I was afraid because I didn't want to grow up, because everybody who grows up has to die someday. So I ran away. So that was weird. Yeah. But they could have, again, they could have cut all that out and just started it with what I think is what I really got out of this as an adult. What I think is interesting about Hook is when they talk about happy thoughts, and what it causes, what's what makes him fly? Mm-hmm. It would have been easy to just make it a childhood memory, and that would have been the only thing to take from this movie, which is basically don't give up your childhood. Right. And I don't think that's what this movie's saying I at agree. all. I this agree. movie is not saying to not grow up. I see where you're going. And I this agree. movie is saying that you don't want to lose sight of what's important in life, yeah, and what genuinely will make you happy. Mm-hmm. And he. Peter Banning is someone in the beginning of the movie who has lost sight of what truly can make you happy. He thinks he knows what's going to make him happy, and he's losing sight of it all. I think that is a message for any adult to hear at any time that's important, you mm-hmm. know, especially me as a father right now. And yeah, it, do, it does get hammered in a lot, and you do yeah. see him at the beginning kind of play it up a lot, especially with how he's just kind of always yelling at his kids and things like that. Right. Um, but at the same time, his happy thought is that he's a father. Right. That's the happy thought. Mm-hmm. It's him remembering having a kid. And it's it's a beautiful thing to it me. It really, really is. is. I agree. And, you know, I there's also the um, part where he says, uh, where his wife, sorry, not him, his wife, Mara, she basically says right in the beginning what I think is what adults should really take from this movie, which is we have a few special years with our children where they're the ones wanting us around. Mm. You know, and I don't know, as an adult, I think that's a really good thing to hear yeah you know something that i remembered and this is we have not talked about rufio oh wow yeah and i remember rufio being the coolest and a huge part he is not that vital in this movie no and actually and this time watching that cool i I didn't care that much about him and i realized (laughs) his death scene this time around the emotion 
came from Jack's response to it. Hmm. Not from Rufio saying, if I had a dad, I'd want him to be like you. And right. not from Peter being like, whatever. It's from Jack's, the kid's performance, mm-hmm. but also Jack's realization right then that he had been neglecting it. And, not, you know, like he had a part in right. the Neverland um, dissolution of his relationship with his dad. And the way he says, oh, dad, I'm sorry, like that killed me this yeah. time. Rufio, I kind of hate <laughs> to say it. He's he's just nothing to me now. Yeah. Like, it's odd. It wasn't disappointing. It wasn't until the end that I realized I just really didn't see him much or care about him much. Yeah. I wonder if critics at the time and adults seeing it afresh, if he was just a really over-the-top cool, like attitude yeah um and that was irritating to me he almost was inessential i wanted to go back to what you were saying about um how this is a kid's movie and i don't want to necessarily challenge that necessarily what you think about hook but i do want to raise this is a, a a question i was raising to myself that hook brought into my mind Um, I was watching Hook thinking, is this a movie just for kids? Is this a movie for adults? If I were to land on the side of this movie just being for kids, where does that leave you as far as the quality of the film? Mm. It reminds me a lot of the David Cross WTF interview. Did you listen to that one with Mark Maron? He's been on a couple times, right? Maybe he has. The one I heard. he he talks about chipmunks? Yeah. And he said, and basically when he was pressed, he basically admitted that it was a paycheck and he needed the work. But then he added this remark that it's always stuck with me where he said, you know who loves those movies? Kids. And I guess in that moment, I kind of just, something clicked. And ever since then, I just don't have the same kind of hatred I had for Alvin and the Chipmunks. Um, and here's why. Because I know there are a lot of children's movies that have universal age-defying appeal. Pixar is amazing at this. Mm-hmm. Um, they should be applauded for it. And you know those movies should be set apart as wonderful pieces of cinema. Mm-hmm. Okay. But is every children's film called to be a Pixar film? Is it okay if Hook is just a kid's movie? Uh, shouldn't some children's films be built upon the assumption that they are indeed films for children? Yeah, I, I think so. And I think Hook especially, if any movie doesn't want to push kids to growing up too fast, to with whatever, more subtle humor or uh, weightier themes... Hook is the movie that is going to stay with kid sensibilities. Yeah. Don't grow up too fast. Don't don't get forced into confronting things. Although I do think kids' movies have that place. I think Pixar movies have a place. And um, but enjoy this. Yeah. Have fun with kids fighting pirates. Right. With fight scenes that, you know, Roger Ebert and other critics faulted for being lackluster. And he said he could have called in any like D-list um, martial arts movie stunt team and it would have been better. Maybe. But this movie looked like any kid pretending could have played those yeah. fight scenes. Yeah. Which to me was awesome. Yeah. Because first off, they weren't scary. Which true. I think yeah. movies, uh, Spielberg himself uh, included in this, movies might overestimate what kids are able to handle i know my nephew is a very scared kid watching movies things that it's like frozen scares you okay um (laughs) yeah but this movie 
I don't find scary. And I think that it's to the movie's credit that it just lets kids be kids. And if a kid were designing a fight scene, it would be that. It would be shooting eggs at the and yeah, like absolutely. paint at the pirates and and you know, rolling It'll, into people or just kind of getting to the point where the pirates are just scared to see them right. and run away. Yeah. You know? yeah. And not not in a way that that um desensitizes to violence or underplays the uh the effects of violence you know it's not like people shooting all over the place and the bullets are just hitting the ground and people are falling over. like when people engage in sword play peter gets cut and rufio dies mm-hmm. it's it really doesn't under underplay the effects of violence and i don't know i think you're right i think that not every movie is called to be pixar and i think that we can't hold movies to that standard but we also can't get let them be so dumb and silly and where it just ends up that everybody's farting and that's the like jokes any sure. any any sort of humor or dramatic tension is completely contrived or completely base yeah this movie's humor is edgy but then there's also what i found striking this time was hook's brainwashing of jack like you were talking about is it's got a grain of truth and it's, I mean, that I think is a good lesson for kids to learn that like sorting things out. Hook's yeah. not lying, but is he somebody that you trust? Right. Is he somebody you should trust? That's a trust? good point. Yeah. I would say that the fact, calling this a kid's movie covers up some of the criticisms. But it also categorizes it, I yes. think. You know what I mean? Like, but it's, I, th- I still think, like you were saying, it's a good enough movie that it doesn't whitewash. It's not a movie that has so many bad elements that all you're saying is, well, it's for kids, well, it's for kids, well, it's for kids. Well, I'll tell you what really got me thinking about this, going back to the David Cross thing, is I was looking through the Rotten Tomatoes critics and actually what they were saying and who they were. Yeah. And I didn't see, as far as I could tell, any actual reviews of... Hook or of Elvin and Chipmunks? This is Hook, not Elvin and Chipmunks, sorry. Of Hook from people who had revisited it as far as I can tell. Right. This was I, people reviewing it back in 1991. Yeah. They were watching it as adults. So mm-hmm. I guess when I, and in a way I kind of wanted to open this up to a conversation about how we and maybe even our children should engage with culture because, and follow me here, I know this might seem like I'm going down a rabbit hole, but it's, it's pertinent to me as I consider what movies to share with my own children. I appreciate that my parents did not consider quality to be a prime virtue mm-hmm. when guarding me from certain movie choices. Thank God, because otherwise there's a really good chance that I would have missed out on some of the following films, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 1 and 2. I never saw that. Indiana Jones Temple of Doom, which you just, just saw. saw recently. Fern Gully. <laughs> Didn't see that. Home Alone 1 and 2. Saw those. The Santa Claus. Yep. Beethoven. Mm-hmm. These are not good movies. Right. Okay. And you know what? it wouldn't have been fair for my parents to not let me see them just because they didn't think they were quality. They listened Mm -hmm. too much to the critics. Yeah. Because you know what? I would have completely missed out on a culture that I now share with my peers. I don't think it's anything short of magical that I can mention Casey Jones, Batty Coda, Chilled Monkey Brains, The Wet (laughs) Bandits, these kind of things around other people my age, Mm -hmm. and we immediately form bonds. Yeah. You know, if my parents would have said, Believe us, you're better off if you stick to E.T., Pinocchio, and Wizard of Oz. You know, that might have led me to some great films, but what would I have to compare them to? Yeah. You know, it leads me to this new conclusion I've come to after watching Hook. 
that it's a parent's duty to take your children to whatever piece of crap movie <laughs> the studios <laughs> it happen huh. to be shelling out to today's kids because huh. otherwise you risk robbing your children of the opportunity to develop in their own time the skills to discern good from bad hmm. with, and this is important, their own generation's quality filters. Hmm. I honestly hmm. think because... That's a very important point. Because, because we grew up loving Hook, new movies, I'm sure, are coming out geared to us that have that sensibility to it, and we come to it with a, an appreciation that our elders and maybe even our own children just aren't going to get. Right. Hmm. That's a great point. And I that's, think that's tough for me. I mean, some films are unqualified masterpieces. Those timeless works, they should be treasured, shared for the rest of human history, you know? Yeah. But I think there's another camp of masterpiece in there huh. where they're exactly what the coming of age generation wanted and needed to hear at the time. Their mm. elders didn't get it. Their children probably won't either. Mm. And at least without a little context. And so then it becomes our job to defend this movie. I think it's our job to defend Hook against this is our calling this is our calling really <laughs> i i know i'm that's great it took me a long time to get there but i thought all this out as i was watching hook it was a movie that i really wanted to come to this episode and think through how we discuss it yeah not just what we think of it but how do we even approach it you that's know? that's a really great point and that's that's tough for me because i i feel like i mean i judge quality very yeah. strictly and one of my character flaws one of my few <laughs> is I judge people based on what they like. Uh -huh. And I don't often let people like what I consider to be bad. Yeah. And it's gotten in the way of me making friends with people that I, I have no other reason other than I don't respect what they fill their time with. And that's terrible. That's terrible of me. Um, and I, I know that if I don't watch it, I'm going to do it with my kids. A few years ago, I started like watching more children's movies as they came out because I wanted to put together a catalog of acceptable films for my sure. kids to watch. Sure, I did the same thing. And I start, now I'm questioning That's a, that, the you, Well, you've got that. me questioning yeah. that. And I don't think it's entirely wrong. No, to because say these like, movies are going to be watched whether or not... Because I've been... Know, yeah. yeah. I you're going to watch these movies. No, no question about it. You know. Yeah. They're, I mean... Iron Giant, yeah. Fantastic Mr. Oh, Fox, yeah. like these Come movies. On, let's are, be real here. Yeah, <laughs> but that's a really, really great point. That to be a person of their generation, they need to watch the crap. things that yeah. their generation is watching. <laughs> and yeah, watch the crap. And yeah, let that crap maybe even have let a them, big, them big, like it. Otherwise, you're going to raise an asshole kid like me <laughs> who can't talk to people because they said they like a certain TV show. Sure. Yeah. And let them figure out for themselves what they like, and the quality will come. That's why I think that's where us showing hand-picked movies will come in. Yeah. Like, oh, this is really good. And, you know, the cream will rise to the top. I think you're right. That's, I think that's a very important... It's something that I didn't necessarily think of when I was watching this, but that's a really great point. And, and that... We have to recognize, though, and I understand what this means. It's a dangerous road to go down because if you take it to its logical extent, you're saying that these bad movies will, down the line, still inform in a subconscious way even right. their quality. I so it. I have to be prepared to hear critics 20 years from now lauding Alvin and the Chipmunks. And so I'd just say, I'll be the first elder to say I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've, we've, 
we've thought a lot about this movie. We have, and I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad with where it went because I was I was afraid that a large part of my childhood would just be slaughtered by rewatching this movie. But definitely, whatever negatives I saw as an adult, it didn't ruin it for me this time. Right, and I think that's that's the point. And I will say one thing though, that I want to say I'm particularly proud about our podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. This is quite the achievement. We're 11 episodes in, okay? Two movies featuring Phil Collins. <laughs> Two. That's true. He was in Hard, Hard Day's, Day's Night. Night. And there's a poster, a of, poster Hard of Hard Day's Night. Night. I saw in, that too. In, in uh, Wendy's bedroom. Yeah. In the like sort of whatever you Wendy's supposed to be. Wendy's in Moira's bedroom. Yeah, that's right. Sorry, it's more as, yeah, it's like supposed to be the 60s or something, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then he plays the inspector that's in Hook. Right. So... Um, Phil Collins was like in Hard Day's Night, but you can't see him. He was an audience member. Yeah, he was an extra in crowd scene. But hey, I challenge any other podcast to, to make do, that naturally happen. To have that high <laughs> level of uh, Phil Collins concentration. Yes. <laughs> I think um, at this point, we'd really love to kind of open it up once again to get mm-hmm. even more feedback now that you've heard some of our thoughts about this movie. And hopefully you've rewatched it with us. Um, that you can now come back and, and let us know what you think. Yeah. So if you want to just give us an email or f- shoot us a message, um, you can also, once again, you can always give us a um, phone call and leave a voice message. The number for that is 847-306-9532. Maybe give us your best crow if you can. Oh, yeah. That'd be great. Also, keep in mind that um, we are taking requests. If you have a movie that you'd like to hear us discuss, we did actually have one um input on as far as that goes someone suggested we discuss uh the film josie and the pussycats Mm -hmm. so we will it's in our queue um it's not going to be our next episode but thank you for that suggestion it's one that i would be curious to revisit for sure and i would love to hear if people could call in i would love to be the delilah after dark of (laughs) podcast of movie podcasts Where you suggest a movie and give us a backstory as to who you're dedicating that movie to or something like that. Oh, that would be so great. Yeah. I would love it. We could even put some good piano sounds in the back or something. Yeah, we've got to practice our real empathetic voice. So, uh, Ryan, do you want to tell us, tell everyone what we're going to be discussing in our next episode? Well, in our next episode, I got to tell you, I've got some mixed feelings about rewatching this one. Um, Hmm. Please do tell. I will tell. Zach Braff, uh, 10 years ago now, in 2004, released his directorial debut, uh, his masterpiece, I don't know if you can call it that. Closest thing to it. Uh, Garden State came out uh, 10 years ago. He released a movie this year uh, called Wish I Was Here. Mm -hmm. Um, Haven't seen it. I haven't either. And I probably won't. And the (laughs) reason for that is why we're doing this next episode on Garden State because I remember liking Garden State when I saw it. So maybe I was just at the right age. But since it's come out, it's gotten a lot of backlash. Oh, yeah. Uh, And I I was never a huge fan of that movie, but I didn't have any sort of real animosity towards it, which I feel like there's been a little bit of. Yeah, there's a real sneer about talking about or an eye roll of, if you compare something to Garden State, it is not a positive association. Sure. Uh, So we are going to explore whether that backlash is warranted if it's justified you know given some distance uh or is the movie 
marred by that stigma so much in the personas that Zach Braff has, seems to have cultivated, through maybe through no fault of his own. Yeah, it's a strange phenomenon, really. I mean, there's nothing that Zach Braff's really done, as far as I know, to right. really cause any sort of real right. hatred towards him. I mean, he wasn't going around using racial slurs or you know, <laughs> getting true. pulled over drunk or anything like that. I mean, he seems like a decent guy. And, yeah. And so many people genuinely loved Garden State. And a lot, yeah, out, a lot so. of people connected with it. So I, it'll be interesting to see. But I've given in to the backlash, and mm-hmm. now I sneer when I talk about Garden State. Yeah, and I saw the trailer for Wish I Was Here, and yeah. didn't appeal to me at all. Nope. You know. So we're going to revisit Garden State. We would encourage you to do the same. So, anyways, um, that's what we'll be talking about next time. And before that, definitely weigh in a little bit on mm-hmm. how you feel about Garden State or your memories watching it the first time and the time since. Yeah. Um, so, so thanks for tuning in to this mm-hmm. hook episode, and um, hope you guys enjoyed it, got something out of it, and uh, we'll we'll see you next time. 